Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Matthew chapter 2, but before we go there and start reading, let's, uh, let's open up with prayer. Father, I come before you seeking out your will. I just pray that you would be the one that we hear. I pray that my heart, my spirit would be completely ready and available to you to hear your message and that anything I have to say would be removed, that it would be your voice that, we're, that we hear, not mine. I lift up this time in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so in chapter 2, it's, the, it's uh, basically the story of the Magi, but it's more about, in my opinion, and also Tozer's, the power of passion and desire to see God versus knowledge and written information about God that supports your theory. So let's go ahead and get started, and we'll then do some reading after afterwards from A.W. Tozer. Verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the west and from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you have found him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen, when it rose and went ahead of them, until it, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their, their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country, their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I will call my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to, appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. 
<clears throat> so he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went, went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So God is continuing to look after Joseph. Joseph apparently is not necessarily the, uh, the greatest Bible scholar. He's not an incredibly supreme man of, of God, but he knows God, and God is watching o- over him. And it's easy to say that it's because he's got God's son under his care, but it's also important to recognize that Joseph was a carpenter. He was a, he was a normal person. But he did know God and knew his voice, and he behaved as God told him. And it's interesting also to note earlier in the difference between the Magi and Herod and his scholars. The Magi operated off of an, a desire and a passion to know this God. And he, they had limited knowledge. They didn't really know too much about who it was and what he really had to offer. But they knew... They needed to go worship him. Versus the king and his scholars, who all knew exactly where this, where the prophet, where the Messiah was to be born. They looked it up immediately. They knew all the facts. And it was head knowledge versus passion versus heart. So we read it with uh, A.W. Tozer on this topic, and he takes Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2 to look at. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So Tozer goes, on, goes to say, The story of the wise men says two things and says them loudly. One is that a longing soul with scanty theological knowledge is in a better position to meet God than a self-satisfied soul, however deeply instructed in the scriptures. The wise men were Gentiles, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Yet they saw the star and left all to make the long, dangerous journey to lay worthy gifts at the feet of Jesus. They acted on small knowledge and found the Messiah. That is to their everlasting credit. On the other hand, there were in those days chief priests, high priests, scribes, lawyers, rulers of the synagogues, all keen-eyed students of the scriptures and experts in the law and the prophets. Yet as far as we know, not one of them had any spiritual awareness that the great day of Israel's visitation had come. They could tell the wise men instantly what the prophets had written about, the birthplace of the king. But their knowledge was formal merely. Was formal merely. They themselves were blind to its real meaning. Gentiles had come, had to come and rouse them from their strange stupor, if indeed they were ever aroused, for there is little evidence to show that they understood the wise men or knew what all the excitement was about. The second message the story brings is that the wise men came to Jesus and not, not to gain something from him, but to give something to him. This circumstance is so unusual as to be almost incredible. We must shake our heads to dispel the clouds from our minds and wait a moment to let our thoughts clear before we can grasp such an idea. 
It is also contrary to everything we have been hearing all our lives. Imagine coming to Christ with any other motive than to gain something from him. And that's really, a, for me, that's a very stark reality. Am I really giving Christ my life because of who he is? Or am I giving my life to Christ because of what I gain? It's one of those questions that I've struggled with. And I don't know the answer, and I don't know if I like the answer, because I think I do know the answer. Tozer goes on to write in The Price of Neglect, another one of his books, Not much is known about the wise men who came out of the East in search of the newborn king of the Jews, but everything that is known is good. They were wise men indeed, and checked well on every count. As far as we know, these men did not have the advantage of a written revelation as did the Jews. They only felt after God in hope that they might find him, and by his infinite goodness they did find him. By the dim light of nature, aided perhaps by a tradition borrowed from the Jews, they learned that a Redeemer King was to come out of Israel, and their hearts conceived a great longing to worship him and to lay some great gift at his feet. Imperfect and sketchy as their faith must have been, God honored it and whispered to them the wondrous news of the approaching advent. That they were not mere ivory tower religious dreamers is proved by the fact that they immediately set out to make the long journey, determined to follow the star till it led them to the Savior. Theirs is a good example in their, their story, a noble and heartening one to meditate upon in this day of universal religious lethargy. <clears throat> so without... So really, to me, it's the, it's the power of a longing heart that, God, that is open to God versus the power of a knowledge-filled head that thinks it knows about God. So is it our heart or our heads that lead us? And sometimes I have to admit, for me, it is my head. And often when I read and I'm doing this Bible study, I feel like I'm trying to gain more knowledge, not more passion. And I think that's really what I struggle with the most. So with that, I'm just going to close this with prayer. Father, I lift up this time and I'm grateful. I just pray you'd be the one that we seek, that our hearts would be filled with your passion, a passion for you, that we'd be, that I would be willing and truly able to give myself to you and expect nothing in return simply that you are and therefore deserve everything in the in the world and that minimal amount that I can give is me so father I lift up my heart my spirit and my being to you and I just pray for the ability to serve you a little bit better today it's in Jesus name I pray amen hey thanks for joining me at just a guy and his journey back to God I hope you have a great day